This edition of The Wellness Prescription is brought to you by Healthy Planet, making the world healthier and greener one day at a time. Welcome to The Wellness Prescription on 105.9 The Region. I'm Dr. Claudia. Thank you all for joining me today. Have you ever wondered if it will ever be possible to freeze your body at a certain age and wake up 50 years into the future in the same amazing shape, form, and appearance as that day? I know we've all seen this in the movies and it seems really futuristic, but is it really that far-fetched to think that one day we can do that? I want to age well and with grace and I have every intention of doing everything I can to achieve that. So my guest this week is Dr. Drew Taylor. He is the co-founder and CEO of Acorn Biolabs, a company specializing in helping people preserve their own cells to help them prepare for future needs. That sounds so interesting, which is why he's joining me today on The Wellness Prescription. So welcome to the show, Dr. Drew. Dr. Claudia, thanks so much for having me. Excited to be here. I am so excited to talk about this because... I am a person who doesn't believe in my chronological age affecting what I want to do on a daily basis. So I think this is amazing. I think there's so much to be said about finding ways to preserve our age and help us be our healthiest and live our best life for so long. So before we get into all the nitty gritty, how about you share with listeners a little bit about yourself and what got you started in this area? I'll try to be brief here because it's a a long story, but uh, all the way back in in grade seven, I had this amazing, cool opportunity to actually go in and witness a surgery. It was a, a total knee arthroplasty, so putting in a fake knee. It was a science fair project, and of course, everybody's picking the guitar and these other different things to kind of break down mechanically. And of course, I picked the uh, total knee arthroplasty. So it was immediate for me that the passion for this this space, just healthcare in general, um, walking through the double doors in the OR theater, uh, seeing everybody working together to accomplish this goal. And I was asking a million and one questions, right? I think uh, it was definitely assaults on, on the physicians there of just, you know, I think they really appreciated the passion. But um, part of that conversation actually drove to the fact that they said, uh, unfortunately, this isn't like a lifelong solution. That person who's receiving this this fake knee, you know, will have about 10 or 15 years out of it and then we'll have to try to do it again, right? Because it will fail. And they left this, this kind of kernel in my mind of, of saying in the future, we'll be using a patient's own cells to regrow them their cartilage instead of putting in plastics and metals. And that hopefully will be a lifelong solution. And so that was it for me. I, I basically, uh, for the rest of my career, um, focused on healthcare and ended up in that that same hospital years later, working on the team that was trying to accomplish that very same goal. How far off from that goal are we really? There's a a few things, right? Regenerative medicine is the idea of being able to kind of replace cells, tissues, and organs in our bodies as they fail us and return us to the health before that failure happened. So really kind of resetting the clock on on that disease uh, or damage. Um, And in certain areas, we're a lot further along than others. Right. So not a lot of people know that there are uh, two dozen patients in Canada that have received lab grown 3D printed skin grafts for severe burns. There's 12 people down in North Carolina that have received lab grown bladders. Right. So a full organ system that has been implanted into those individuals to to restore the ability to control urination. Right. And so we're starting in these areas where they're either in our skin and superficial areas, right, that are easily accessed, 
or um, simple organ structures, right? We're not replacing someone's heart yet where it's a life-saving, but it is definitely a huge quality of life leap. And so we're working towards some of the more higher level complexity uh, things. But, you know, we've got a, a really exciting partnership with uh, uh, University of Toronto Mount Sinai Hospital where we're engineering the cells that we collect into pancreas cells with the idea of, you know, it's going to take years to accomplish this, but um, tackling some of, of the toughest diseases that we, we really see in our population like diabetes. That is absolutely incredible. And I'll tell you, so in my own practice, I see a lot of patients who have recently had a knee replacement uh, or a hip replacement. And you're absolutely right. They are either in line to have it done again or to regenerate, you know, the first surgery, the idea that you can actually do that with your own body parts in the future is incredible technology and incredible science. And I think we'll be, you know, helping people be active and stay active. And I tell everybody that your longevity is really dependent on your mobility. And it's so true. So, I have heard of, you know, stem cells cryogenically being frozen at birth, but so how does what you do differ from that and does it have the same end result? Great question. Um, freezing cells when you're having a child is banking the umbilical cord. And the umbilical cord, you know, does have um, some really interesting and capable elements to it. And we have seen um, it be used in the treatment of childhood leukemia. Uh, unfortunately, we haven't seen it used in a ton of other areas, and I think we're still waiting for some of those things to develop. But there are some scientific limitations to those cells um, that, unfortunately, I think are are keeping them, you know, from really entering other different disease states as as a, a starting material to treat those cells. And the two biggest ones are that the cells are uh, technically very difficult to expand. So we can't grow more of them from that sample. And that means that we only really have enough cells to treat a child, right? We don't have enough cells there to treat an adult. The other limitation is that they're very technically difficult to reprogram. Uh, a really interesting technology that allows us to change the cell type, and we use this in some of our long-term studies where we're taking the hair follicle and turning it into pancreas cells or IMSCs and these other cell types. That is a, a brilliant technology that allows us to change the cell type, reprogram that cell. Umbilical cord cells don't do that very well. It's, it's difficult. And so we've taken an approach where, you know, we are trying to make sure that we have a cell type that accomplishes both of those two goals and does those very well. We're able to expand them and create more on demand, and we're able to reprogram them efficiently. And so that leads me to my next question, because I noticed in my research and on, you know, getting onto your, the ACORN website, one of the things that you uh, say, and I was curious about, I guess that's the difference, is why should me, my children, our grandparents all be, you know, taking our hair follicles and storing them and banking them for later use. Is that the reason? Because the hair follicle, and I kind of, I really want to understand this because it's amazing to me that every cell is different, every stem cell is different. So the hair follicle can actually be used for multi-purposes later on. Absolutely. So there's four big reasons why the hair follicle is the perfect cell source for regenerative medicine. Um, I think that in the future, we are going to have this as standard of care. Every single person, patient will have their cells banked uh, for future strategies and current strategies. The hair follicle, one, is accessible. 
It's non-invasive, right? Plucking your hair follicles from the back of your scalp is non-painful. Um, the hairs grow back, um, right? So there's no like, you know, loss and, um, and it's very easy to do, right? It is almost like this little miniature organelle, the, the hair follicle, that, that tip at the end of our hairs, um, was designed for this, really. Um, not only is it accessible, but it has multiple germ layers. And what that means really is that it has multiple different types of cells. On top of that, it's one of the highest concentrations of adult stem cells in our body. Uh, the turnover and, and the ability for these cells to replicate is extremely high. And that's why our hair grows so quick. And that's why, you know, when, when unfortunately we do think about things like chemotherapy, what are, you know, chemotherapy targets cells that divide readily and, and our hair follicles are part of those. And that's why we lose our hair when, when we go under chemotherapy. Um, so this is an amazing cell type, but not only that, but the cell type specifically, the keratinocytes and the fibroblasts within it. So the surface and deeper layers of our skin are both uh, efficient at being reprogrammed. Two questions um, that come up in my mind. Is there a perfect age or time when we should be extracting these hair follicles? Because I feel like, you know, I want to preserve my body. I should have probably preserved it when I was 20, but I, I realize that's not going to happen now. But is there a specific time or age that we should be? Like, should I, should I do it to my children now at like 16 and 13? Or can we wait? Is there a perfect age? So it's, it's a fantastic question. And the answer is yes, but not really, right? We're trying to get ahead of two things here. One is the onset of age. Um, the other one is the onset of disease. And so we have patients that have come in and banked their cells with us that are 83 years old because their mindset, God bless them, I'm going to live to 100 and I want to have my 83-year-old cells when I'm in my mid-90s, right? Um, because they're going to be 10 years younger. And every, you know, studies have shown that the amount of genetic mutations that we endure double every decade. So, you know, from a genetic mutation level, those cells may have half the genetic mutations that they would. So for him, you know, the decision was was very clear. Um, ultimately, we do see some moments where I would say if we have a bit more sense of urgency. Um, I'm sad to say that we do peak really, you know, kind of in our 20s. That's the height of our uh, of our stem cell counts that we see. And it does decline very arithmetically throughout our lives. By the time we hit about 65, and it varies by individual because everybody ages different, but somewhere in your 60s, it picks up pace. And you see this much more quick decline. So there is a sense of urgency. We see a lot of people that, you know, are in their fifties and sixties kind of in a race to get this done before that, that pace picks up. Um, and then we obviously see a lot of parents for their either teenage or, or kind of 20 year old you know, children, making sure that they get in and, and get it done. Because let's be honest, I, I certainly wasn't when I was you know, a teenager or in my 20s thinking about longevity. I was still invincible in my mind, right? So um, sometimes we have to, to give them a push to say this is something that uh, you should do to invest in your future. So you said something before, I'm going to backtrack a little bit. You said something before about the hair follicle that they quickly reproduce. Do you mean that they, so if you put them, for example, in a Petri dish, they can reproduce amongst themselves, amongst themselves? Yeah. So they can grow. They're not, they're not cloning their own, like making multiple hair follicles, but what they are doing is they're expanding out of that hair follicle and creating essentially a sheet of these cells across that Petri dish so that we can multiply them. And in that way, we can essentially take a, a small amount of cells and turn it into a very large amount of cells. And that's how we can access these cells and use them because they are easily, they can be easily used to, cr 
for other purposes, not just for one particular cell. Right. So let's talk about the, the bright future, right? So if we take a hair follicle and we put it onto a plate and we culture cells, if we wanted to recreate you a new kidney, right, in the future and 3D print you an organ, we are going to need a billion cells, right? And so we can take, you know, a million or millions of cells and turn those into billions of cells quite, quite easily, actually. That is so fascinating. When we come back, the science behind live cell banking. Have a question for Dr. Claudia? Call us at 416-335-1059. Tweet us at 1059theregion or email us info at 1059theregion.com. The Wellness Prescription with Dr. Claudia on 1059 The Region. You're listening to 105.9 The Region. Welcome back to The Wellness Prescription. Before the break, Dr. Drew and I were discussing the affordable and accessible procedure of collecting and banking live cells for future use. It's fascinating and exciting that we now have access to all of this kind of science that can prolong our lives and keep us younger, longer. I am sold, Dr. Drew. I want to be part of this group of people that are going to live almost forever. Um, I don't know how long the earth wants me here, but I'm willing to stay as long as it'll keep me. Um, And one of the things I found really fascinating about this process and this procedure and ACORN is that you actually can afford it. So let's talk a little bit about that. How is it affordable and why is it affordable? Amazing. So yeah, so we've partnered with clinicians and physicians um, to deliver this to patients, right? So there are uh, locations across the region that you can go to to have this done. And, you know, there is a a onboarding fee at that clinic for you to have your cells collected there. Um, But to keep those cells, you know, ageless, essentially, or locked in at whatever age you did this, um, you know, we put them down into liquid nitrogen at negative 196 degrees Celsius at that temperature. There is no cell metabolism. They are literally frozen in time. And for me, I will be keeping my at least... 36-year-old self there forever. And we charge the same as Netflix. So there's a lot of people watching the new season of Stranger Things at home right now. If you can afford to do that, you can afford to bank your cells and take out a biologic health insurance policy for yourself. And I'm so fascinated. I'm so thrilled that you made the analogy and you connected it to some of the things that we actually spend our money on, um, you know, that are, you know, make us happy and, you know, make us feel content in the moment. But this for me is incredible because I do want to do everything I can to live my best life and being able to have access to those cells that for future use, whether it be for my appearance or whether, you know, for aesthetics or whether it be for some condition that I might need it for, I think that's incredible. And I feel like that's also an indication of how far science has come, where we're making longevity affordable. Yes. And that's really important. After all, we are Canadians, right? So healthcare to us, it's very important that it's accessible. And look, we've seen um, reports and articles about, you know, celebrities in Hollywood that have preserved their cells. Athletes have done these things. Um, and for, for a long time there, it was not very accessible and it was also highly invasive. So there's also a limit there of you wanting to do it. What I'm excited is with our technology and what we've developed is that you can do this non-invasively, right? So we're not drilling into bone marrow, right? Um, it is, it's very accessible um, and easy to do, even on, on kids. For $16 a month, you can have your cells preserved. And we have family plans that are cheaper than two individuals doing it. So it was very important to us to make sure that um, people were able to, to do this, right? And it, there was we tried to lower that that 
uh, accessibility, you know, that, that barrier as much as possible. So let's talk about the athletes and the, you know, the Hollywood um, individuals who have been doing this to their cells, you know, for a few years already. How can we use, for example, my follicles for somebody else? So the short answer is no, right? And the re- the reason is, is because it doesn't matter how perfect of a match we are. We are going to react to a donor's cells, especially in areas like skin, right? When we think about organ donation, you're still putting on the patient, the recipient, on immunosuppressants. So you're basically lowering their immune system, which is not something you want to do. There's lots of risks that come with that. And with an organ like a kidney, you know, you're basically attaching three tubes to kind of invigorate that organ and and attach it. When you're thinking about your skin, it's like a billion touch points, right? So the immune system is even heightened in the response there. You want your own cells, absolutely, because those are the cells that you are always going to accept and you will never reject. And honestly, if you reject these donations, it can cause a lot more complications than you were trying to solve in the first place. And so especially in areas like skin, aesthetics, sports performance, right? like our connective tissues and and healing and and repairing these things, we're never going to take on the risks of a donor cells being put into us uh, because, you know, these are aesthetic and performance issues. We do it when we're replacing an organ for donation because it is going to save that patient's life. And without it, um, you know, it is life-threatening and the quality of life is going to be almost nothing without it. So um, we do take on those risks, put patients on immunosuppressants to save their lives. Let's go into the aesthetic component of, uh, you know, storing our stem, our cells for later use. So let's say we do an extraction on me and in a year from now, I want to take those cells and do something similar to, you know, when I do PRP for my skin. How is that going to, is that going to work? Is that something that is um, up and coming? Are we going to be able to do that? Because I'm, you know, part of part of being youthful and maintaining your longevity is also about how you feel and how you look. So I think that's a very important aspect for me anyway. Absolutely. So um, this is where actually there's been a fair bit of attention around us lately because having these cells banked for patients can act as essentially you having this mini factory for yourself. And our skin, you know, as we age, um, one of the elements, let's take as an example, collagen, our cells produce 1% less collagen every year that goes by. That's, you know, that's one of the building blocks of our skin that that diminishes over time. That's why we see wrinkles and we see, you know, imperfections and all of these different things start to amass as we age. If you are able to capture some of your cellular material and then use those in the lab to essentially create yourself more collagen, elastin, hyaluronic acid, all of the growth factors that are specific to your skin, you can be delivering back to yourself the building blocks of your skin from your younger self, right? So it can act as like an ongoing resource for you that allows you to continue to supplement your skin with the things that you are starting to get way less efficient at producing. From an anti-aging perspective, this is extremely exciting. It also is coming much quicker because we're not giving you back those cells. We're giving you back the products of those cells. And so from a regulatory perspective, um, this is moving very quickly, right? It's not getting held up in clinical trials or has less less clinical trials that it has to go through because there are much less risks um, with not using live cells that are going back into your body. 
And so this is something that is, I think, is coming very quickly and we're going to see talked about a lot more. Uh, we're working with some physicians to actually start to plan the first deliveries of these things in patients. Um, and so a lot of patients are racing to bank their cells to lock in that age, you know, as these things are coming. Um, but imagine an opportunity in the same delivery as PRP, right, which has a lot of general growth factors that are in our blood that are very beneficial. And I've seen patients receive massive benefit in both aesthetics and sports medicine from PRP treatments. Imagine supplementing that PRP with the exact growth factors that our skin cells need. And not only that, but the building blocks of our skin cells and that connective tissue itself, the collagens, the elastins. Yeah. That's right. So that's the difference between doing just, you know, simple PRP where you're centrifuging the blood and taking the plasma and then re reusing it and re-injecting it. With this type of um, science, you'll be able to actually deliver the building block. So it's a little bit more um, potent for lack of a better word. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I think uh, uh, extremely more potent is, is a, a better way to, to say it. I, I mean, it is, it is a very exciting field because ultimately, you know, PRP is a generalist, right? And, and it's not coming from our skin. It's not coming from our, our tendons or ligaments, right? So it's not the exact same cell types that we rely on to repair those tissues in our bodies. But if we can actually harness them in the laboratory and create the specific elements that we need to maintain that youth, that performance, you know, the health of our, our skin um, and other connective tissues, um, it can be extremely powerful in, in combating aging and the next generation of regenerative medicine. Because PRP is really introductory regenerative medicine, right? Um, this is the next stage. And so your team that you worked with at Mount Sinai in the orthopedic department for regenerative um, types of therapies, how soon do you anticipate that you'll be able to use um, this type of science to regenerate you know, cartilage on maybe, you'll probably start with athletes, I would assume, because they're the ones who need to have their joints, you know, maintained and, um, and better integrity for, you know, for performance. But do you think that's up and coming in the near future? Or are we looking at five to 10 years from now? You know, as patients, we have to be a little patient for these things to actually come to fruition. It is very important that we make sure before we start administering therapies using cells on uh, on people that it is safe and efficacious. And that is why, you know, we operate within Health Canada and the FDA and make sure that everything that we are doing is um, is in the patient's best interest. That means that sometimes we, we have to wait. What What is exciting is that we really are at an inflection point in how fast these things are moving. You know, if I ha if you had to kind of like, you know, put my uh, feet to the fire and say, how long are we waiting for these things? I think that some of those non-cell based products that we're talking about um, are coming very quickly and we'll see those being used in patients, um, you know, within, I think, the next year. It's time to prepare. As far as the long term strategies go, um, it's still worthwhile preparing for those now, right? Because we are locking in that age. So that the, the delivery that we're going to be able to give is so much better. Will cartilage take another five, 10 years, right? Or orthopedic conditions. I think tendons and ligaments may come a little bit uh, faster than that. But as far as, you know, I know um, colleagues that are working specifically in cer certain organ generation are predicting that we'll be doing organ transplants using our own cells and 3D printed organs within 10 years. So it is coming quickly. And a, a lot of people are just amazed at that. But we already have seen groups in Tel Aviv take a biopsy of your skin cells and create miniature human hearts. Um, we're creating pancreas cells ourselves. And there are other groups that are able to, to do that as well. Like we have um, amazing leaps forward 
and what has been done lately. Um, hair follicle cells recently in a study were pushed through to actually um, repopulate bone to treat osteoporosis. So there are a lot of different strategies going on all around the world. And I think that for us at ACORN, what I wanted to make sure is that patients were able to bank their cells uh, in advance of them. And the importance of that was what I learned, really, the big takeaway from my time at Sinai working with that bioskeletal engineers, engineering tissues team. My role going into that group was actually to take some very successful uh, animal studies and translate them into working with human cells. And so I was actually going into the OR, taking biopsies of patient cells, and then bringing them back to the lab to see if in practice we could grow out the functional cartilage that would be needed for those future therapies. The translation from animal studies to human model to human models was not perfect. The big limitation, to save everybody a lot of really boring reading, um, was that the animal studies were all conducted in the equivalent of an adolescent animal. So like a teenager. And so, of course, these cells exploded in culture and performed exceptionally well. And when we went to then go translate this to human studies, where was I having an access point? It was already patients that were in their point of need. They were going in for arthroplastic surgery already, usually later in life, elderly, and with changes, right? Sometimes osteoarthritis, sometimes wear and tear, but the cells were at their worst. And so we're bringing them back to the lab and expecting them to perform at their best again. And it's just not possible. I'm at a, a great age. I'm not going to tell you how old that is, but I'm at a great age where I'm still energetic and I'm still functioning optimally. That's why right now is probably the best time. I mean, I, you know, it would have been great 10 years ago when I was in my thirties, but I'm probably at the best age right now to take the cells and save them so that I can use them for later. But what about prevention? What about just using the cells and saying, you know what, I have a little bit of early arthritis in my left knee because I run a lot. You know, how about we just do something like PRP and inject in there as prevention? Is that something that is coming down the pipeline? I think that's what we're talking about is coming very quickly, right? So that kind of enhanced version of PRP because it's essentially giving you back the building blocks to heal yourself and what your cells are getting less efficient at creating and why you're feeling that. And it's happening first in, in, in skincare and hair regrowth and very quickly in sports medicine for soft tissue injuries and cartilage injuries. And I think that's going to be the wave. There are already people accessing these types of things. They're just not doing it in the US or Canada right now, um, but it is coming extremely quickly. So the last question before we wrap up is, how long can we store or keep these cells frozen for? Theoretically, it's a thousand years, right? It, it doesn't really matter. What needs to be done efficiently is the cells frozen properly and thawed properly, because those are the points of, of where damage can accumulate. Once they're down and in liquid nitrogen. They're literally frozen in time. So Dr. Drew, now that everybody has heard about the benefits about, you know, live cell banking, and we're going to be young forever, how can listeners reach out to you, get more information on ACORN, or actually just book in a session to have their hair follicles, you know, taken out and stored for a thousand years? If you want to kind of tune in and follow in, um, I'm on Twitter and Instagram and, and, you know, a number of other platforms, but uh, on Instagram, I'm Dr. Drew Taylor. On Twitter, I, I'm 
Drew W. Taylor. Um, and uh, you can also find Acorn Biolabs on any of those channels. But I think the best way is to go to our website, acorn.me. Um, right there on the site, you can actually sign up to be uh, part of uh, uh, the request access list. And, um, you know, there's a number of clinicians that are already offering this. Um, and I think that we'd love to help you find one that, uh, that does and, and make sure that you can get in right away. Because every day that goes by, we're, we're one day older. doesn't matter how many push-ups or what smoothie we drank that morning. <laughs> Time is a ticking. <laughs> That's amazing. You can always find me on Instagram at Claudia underscore Macchiella or my website, ClaudiaMacchiella.com. That's my show for this week. If you missed it, go to 1059theregion.com or wherever you get your favorite podcast, including Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, and of course, Audible. I'm Dr. Claudia. Thank you for listening, and I hope you all live your best life. The Wellness Prescription was brought to you by Healthy Planet. Order online at HealthyPlanetCanada.com or go online to find a location nearest you.